Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz, episode 2, part 2. As the conversation continues with a young woman studying to become a female Orthodox rabbi as she shares her aspirations, disappointments, and goals as she embarks on this journey. Is there a sense at your school that we want to make an impact? We want to, we want to make an impact on the Jewish world? Yeah, and absolutely. And that's sort of an ethos. Absolutely, absolutely. I think very much so. Very much so. All the women are driven to make an impact. It's a risk for all women to be in this school because it's not clear where they'll be accepted. So there's definitely that drive. Now, is that drive a feminine-driven drive? In other words, to promote women's roles and... Um, or is it more... Because from you, it seems like feminism and, and, and pushing women's roles or women's uh, issues is not as strong a motivation for you it's more of a more general one. I want to, you know, impact Judaism, bring impact people's lives with Judaism, and I'm going to get the resources and the ability to do that through here. So, well, first of all, I'm certainly a feminist. <laughs> although <laughs> you're right that feminism doesn't necessarily drive my work, um, but we'll bracket that. <laughs> I, <laughs> No worries. <laughs> um, for many of the women, yes, it is about increasing the roles of women um, in a visible way. And that's very much the top item on their agenda. And, um, you know, call a vote to them. They, they want to, they, it's a movement. Mm-hmm. It's a movement. And, 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 you know, inevitably I'm kind of part of that movement, even though it's not the thing that drives my work. But, but yes, for many people, it's that. <clears throat> for others... You know, I would say even my chavrusa included, I think um, there are many people who do identify as feminists, but also it's not the thing that drives their work. My chavrusa was a teacher of midrash for many years um, in different communities and, you know, kind of came to Maharat because she wanted to do more and do it better and perhaps build some kind of learning institution of her own. Um, But that's because she loves Torah. Um, and she wants to teach Torah. Um, but, you know, everyone has a different, everyone has a different level of, of where these values fall and what actually drives them to do this work and to take this risk, for sure. It is definitely a risk. I agree with you on that, mm-hmm. uh, to go, in, to go into, into to a yeshiva like that because, as you said earlier, you're inevitably labeled. As that, mm-hmm. and before you even start the conversation, there are a list of assumptions made about you and about your views. Um, I could say that as a, you know a Chabad mm-hmm. rabbi. Before you start a conversation with somebody, they already have a list of assumptions about your views and opinions, mm-hmm. and and your personality. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and and, <laughs> and you're sometimes irritated by that. Yeah. I mean... Listen to... Listen... Hear me out first. Okay. You know, before making assumptions. Oh, he, oh yes. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying that to you. I'm, I'm yeah. speaking to that, to that <clears throat> hypothetical individual. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I... Yeah, because... I don't know. I just... I did this whole um, chaplaincy internship in, the hos- in a hospital in Borough Park for the past six months. And... I didn't tell anybody except my supervisor 
where I spent the rest of my week when I was not at the hospital, which was at Yeshiva Maharat. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. It was just awesome because I went around, people asked me, you know, what's a chaplain? What do you do? And, you know, I said, I'm here to provide spiritual care. I'm here to visit patients. I just wanted to come check in, see how you're doing, see if there's any way I can be helpful, a conversation, just listening or even a prayer. And it was all about that. No one asked me, you know, or sometimes they did ask me, oh, you're an intern? So where are you studying? And I would say, yes, I'm studying in a chaplaincy course online. And they teach us how to provide spiritual care, which was true. Um, but I didn't share anything. I mean, nothing about women's learning, nothing about, about any of that. And it was, it was really nice <laughs> to just be able to work. Um, and that's, you know, it's not the, rea- I, I am proud of where I, of where I, you know, the direction that I've taken. Sure. Um, and I'm proud, I'm proud of my colleagues. I think my colleagues individually are going to go out and do exactly the work that's right for them and they'll be very good at it. But I need, it's a priority for me to make sure that I can just do my work. And I'm very aware of when naming my institution hinders that or sometimes makes it more possible for me to do my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm strategic still for now. Okay. So what would you like to see in the future insofar as uh, women studying clergy, however you want to take this? Well, I think something that's important to me is... And, and this is based on what we've already talked about, how I've grown up and stuff like that. I want to see people of all, all genders, all kinds, feel at home in their Judaism, in their Yiddishkeit. And I want that for everybody. Could Even you speak, Could you speak a little what it means to feel at home? Yeah. I want people who grew up with or without access to Jewish literacy, to be able to find a place, a community, where they feel comfortable and welcomed as who they are, where they can come in regardless of their background and feel like they have a place to share who they are without covering something up, pretending like they know something, or just feeling intimidated generally. I want people to find Jewish homes for themselves, whether that's an actual home like a Chabad house, or whether that's a shul or some other community space. That's what I really want for the Jewish people. As that relates to women, I think it's harder in traditional Jewish spaces for women to actually achieve that. And I am, I am open to figuring out how to achieve that, but I think it's absolutely essential to think about that question. If, Could you speak a little to the difficulty of women? Yeah. I think... At this point, at my age, I would say, um, well, not even just at my age, 
But I think at this point in the way that Jewish life is structured, and this is what kind of my generation and younger are pushing against, Jewish life in public can still be very, very gendered. Um, most of that is taken up by going to shul. You go to shul, you sit. In traditional shuls, it's completely run by men. Even in, you know, shuls of other denominations, reform, conservative, um, liturgy can still feel, feel very male-dominated, um, very masculine. And even the, the concept of being part of a religious community can often come across as conservative, just very broadly speaking. Um, and with that comes certain connotations that, you know, it may not be open, it may not be welcoming for women, it may not be welcoming for other marginalized communities who have very strong Jewish identities, but simply don't feel like they have access to the full experience because of how it's been passed down for so many years, which has been very, very male. I mean, that's the reality. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Every community is different. You know, for example, I, I go to a shul in Brooklyn where, you know, it's an Orthodox shul. The service is completely run by men. But I feel very much a part of the community because the essence of community doesn't actually happen at services. It'll happen in Kiddush or it'll happen in conversation and, or in the, in the kids' playroom or whatever it is. People know about what's going on with other people. People take care of other people. People come in from literally all walks of life. I mean, we're in, you know, in, a, in the boroughs of New York City, people, like, especially here, people come in off the street and, and it's fine. And so that I see very much as, as a successful home for, for any kind of Jew. Um, you know, I see the work that my husband and I do, which is a literal home, um, we make it very clear that our home is open to everybody, regardless of your background, regardless of, you know, in many cases, whether you're officially Jewish. Um, if you're curious you, about Judaism, you can come as well. Um, or if you're, if you're with someone who's Jewish and you're yourself not Jewish, that's also fine. Um, but our home is completely kosher. We don't have people bring food into our home from other places. And we, we don't have services in our home. We say, there's plenty of synagogues, please go, enjoy. And then come for a class, come for a meal. Um, and come whoever you are, however you want. And this is how our home is. It's a traditional Jewish home. And it's, you know, for us, I think, you know, in the work we want to do, especially for me, I see that as not just a home, not just a community space, but as a curriculum. It's an experiential Jewish educational moment every single time somebody comes into my house. And I want it to be that way because I want people to go and make their own homes. I don't want them to always come to my home. I want them to leave and say, oh, I can do that too. And whatever that means to them, that's kind of what I'm hoping the end goal is. So, 
Yeah, that's my hope for the Jewish people. It's hard for me to limit it to women, but I think, I mean, yeah, my hopes just go beyond that. I, I, can't, I can't make my answer too gendered. <laughs> well, first of all, when you were describing what you just described, you saw I was smiling ear to ear. Mm-hmm. You, could you guess why? Maybe you agree? <laughs> it, it sounds exactly like what we did at, what we're doing at Brandeis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially regarding the idea of services. Mm. Yeah. Um, is you know, we don't have traditional services. Um, and in a certain sense, because Judaism is not just about services, and in some ways, services, in its traditional way, the way we observe it, um, is a intimidating and B can be void of spirituality uh, that we, we have done services where we infuse it with spirituality and we didn't do it in the traditional way um, remember we did mm-hmm. the love of God and, and some other pro- tea workout mm-hmm. um, but so go there for services and that's sort of outside of our purview but when you come into this space we want to give you an experience where everything you are doing is educationally oriented and is a curriculum that we hope you mm-hmm. will uh, you will you will copy over. So hearing you say this just gave me such. <laughs> I learned from the best. <laughs> I learned from the best, but it sounded so so familiar. Yeah. But now uh, I know the secret uh, of what you were doing all those years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're not. You're not strong on the gender element. I mean, I'm strong on it in other areas. Like, it's hard for me to answer the question of what I want for the future because I want a strong Jewish Yiddishkeit for the future, and that's what I want. So, so yes, everybody. Uh, uh, so are you, but would you say that on this point also you're perhaps an anomaly? I, in, in, your, in my institution? In your institution, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know. I... Is that because there's no time to have this conversation? We never have this conversation in this particular style, which is why I think it's hard to know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm sure all the students want a strong Yiddishkeit for the future. I, I, I don't doubt that. It's just the language that we're talking it can feel different than the language that we that we talk about it in school I think because I think sometimes you know in school we think we think in particulars of like you know we're part of x community and we're going to talk about you know a particular case you know of something that happened in x community and and it's it's particular so there's a lot of focus on the community Uh that you are a part of and which I would uh, uh, guess is the Orthodox community. Yeah. And how we fit into that and how we respond to it and how we shape to it. There isn't a view of sort of the global Jewish people or Yiddishkeit as a whole or the Jews as a whole. Less. 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 Which seems to be what you have. Yes. Yes. I'm... In this program because of who I am, but I don't intend to work exclusively with Orthodox people. I don't, by any means. And you don't care 
much about the issues of the Orthodox community. I care about them to the extent that they're harming people in Am Yisrael. <laughs> right, right. I mean, people in, in Am Yisrael shouldn't feel that way when, you know, when they get harmed by issues in the Orthodox community. But I also feel that way about Jews who are harmed by, by anything. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right, but you don't see yourself as somebody whose interests lie within the Orthodox community and you are looking to influence it and shape the Orthodox community. I I don't think that's the avoda that I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. I think I have colleagues who feel very much called to do that, and they are doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And they are putting themselves in very difficult situations and are feeling the effects, and it is not easy. And, you know, I, and I, I do my best to be of support to them as I'm able but I don't feel called to put myself in those positions, no. I don't see that as, as the work that I'm meant to be doing. Yeah. Are there any questions you want to ask me? What do you think? What do you think of this Orthodox woman rabbi phenomenon? I think the way you're approaching it, in that you want to have an impact on Jewish people. You want to have an impact on Judaism. And to do that, you need, to have, you need to have greater resources, spiritual resources, intellectual resources than you had when you wanted to pursue it. And that you found an institution that provides that for you. Uh, I think the, there should be more like that. There needs to be more um, institutions that give this to women. And it should start even at a younger age. And... I think it was earlier today I had a conversation with somebody about this topic and after the conversation I was thinking about it and you know it occurred to me that my sons uh, Yosef Mendel just uh, finished three years of yeshiva he didn't go to yeshiva high school where there was a dual curriculum he went to where there was just exclusively learning Torah and it occurred to me that my daughter Nava won't have that option I don't have that option to go at the age of 13 or 14 to an, an institution which is exclusively Torah learning all day. And I ask myself, why not? Why, why doesn't that exist? Um, in fact, you know, if she goes in the life path of her mother and becomes a shlucha, why shouldn't she have the intellectual and the knowledge resources that her brothers have? And I thought maybe I should start such an institution. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah. But, but to your point, but to your point of what I think about that, so I'm think it's critical. I think it's critical that that women, their knowledge, and their spiritual resources be equal on par to men. At least, at least. Um, what I am uncomfortable with or what I, what, I, what I reject is there's the idea of, in Judaism, the idea of traditions and the sacredness of traditions. And even if those traditions become outmoded. So the classical example of that is the two days of Chag that we celebrate outside of Israel. Um, by all measures, by the account of the rabbis themselves, this need to celebrate a second 
day of Shavuot, or the second day of Pesach, is outdated. And it was outdated hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yet we retained it. We retained it because there is a sacredness to tradition. That means once something has been done in a particular way, it's sacred and has to retain that way. We could build around it. We could work around it. But we have to sanctify that. And the reason why I believe that this is important is because there's, there's a sanctity that is given to us. In other words, the sanctity of Shabbat, the sanctity of the Bet HaMikdash. These are, in a certain sense, God-created sanctities. But then we as people also need to create our own sanctities. And one of the things where we, create, where we can create our own sanctities is in tradition. Traditions that are not based on the text of the Torah. Of when I say the Torah, I mean the Torah Shebektav. But traditions that bore out of life circumstances. Uh, and we need to keep those sacred because that is our sacredness. So in that sense, also the position of males being rabbis, having that title, there's a certain sacredness to the fact that that's the tradition, how it's been done. And that's something that I believe should not be infringed upon. But around it, there has to be built, not, not there should be, it, it's imperative that they be built positions, institutions for women to maximize their intellect and their knowledge and their spirituality for the benefit of the Jewish people at large, uh, not just for uh, females, not just for women. So, I appreciate you sharing that so candidly. Thank you. Who gets the last word, me or you? You. Okay. Can I respond? Of course. That's okay. the point. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let me put it this way. I hear all that. I agree with you. I would love to see some sort of institution training shluchot in the kind of halachic thinking that I'm doing. I think that's brilliant. But here is my one bone to pick, if you will. It's hard for me to figure out, <clears throat> as far as, the, as traditions or Masora, as far as, as that's concerned, it's hard for me to see a line drawn that says or I guess my question is really <clears throat> how do we draw a line between what is the essence of a tradition and what is the gender of a tradition if that makes sense so more and as I learn more about this, going back to the sources and also see kind of the reality that we're in today, it's hard for me to understand how gender remains such a critical part of the essence of a tradition in, in this particular example, in the example of communal leadership of Jewish learning, of receiving a tradition of what's pretty much personal intellectual authority. That to me seems to be the essence of the tradition of ordination. And it, 
doesn't necessarily seem gendered, especially going back into traditional sources of shlita and other things where this has come from. So that's the one place where, you know, and speaking as someone who, for the time being, doesn't even want a title because it, it, do, it, it doesn't allow me to do my work as effectively. I don't want a title, but I also respect the essence of the tradition. I take it very seriously. Um, knowing that I don't deserve, you know, not a title, but not to even do this work if I don't have the, the resources that you spoke about. I need the resources to really feel that personal authority. But I also feel that there is legitimacy to that personal authority that is on par with the personal authority of a man who has the same resources. And so, so yeah, so to me, and this is probably the feminist version of the feminist me coming in and saying, where did gender enter the, enter the equation so strongly except for in an aesthetic way? Because that's basically what we're talking about. If we're turning to the tradition and seeing, okay, so this is who had access to the public sphere for so many generations, men. That's not the case anymore. Um, probably hasn't been the case for quite a while <laughs> um, and should continue on that way. But that's, that's where I see, you know, that's where I see us maybe differing on that, is that maybe it's not, the essence of this tradition is not actually so gendered, at least in the way that I am beginning to understand it in my studies and otherwise. Well, that I'm speaking only to the title rabbi mm -hmm. and the, the some isolated role of the rabbi. Um, I do think a, a new title would be appropriate uh, that would recognize um, a woman who is a leader in her community. Um, you know, today, just today, I got an email, an invitation to an event from a seeming, a, a, a liberally oriented institution. And they invited only me and not Hani. And I haven't gotten responded to them, but I was really struck by it. Um, I mean, I, I'm the rabbi here, but they didn't invite Hani. And if she was something of a title, they may have invited her. Mm. Personally, I, I remove the title from my interaction as much as possible, mm -hmm. as you well know. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I get pushback about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think there has to be a, a, uh, a, sometimes a recognition of a woman who has that role, uh, both for her accomplishment, but more importantly for the respect uh, that it will engender from those who... Uh, who she encounters and who, those who, with whom she wants to teach and, and, uh, and, 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 and inspire. Do you think shluchot are likely to adopt such a title? Theoretically, if it made sense? Well, there, there is in Chabad, there is the shlucha. But we don't refer to them as well, shlucha chani chayn. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I was thinking to reply to that invitation. Maybe that should change my title to shliach. Mm. And if, I'm become, if I become shliach, then she could equally become shlucha. I kind of like that title for myself. Yeah. Actually, Shlo that's actually the most accurate title I've uh, come to yeah, realize so far. <laughs> well, I'm being serious, actually. Yeah. No, yeah, you have. Because a, it is. There's, shliach means 
an emissary, an agent mm-hmm. with a sense of purpose and mission. Mm-hmm. You're working on behalf of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, mm-hmm. or on behalf of the Rebbe. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how I see myself. And I, I think perhaps mm-hmm. I'm going to start insisting mm-hmm. on that title. That is, and, that and, is and in that way, it will also recognize the role that Hani plays. That's the best part of this podcast. <laughs> I like that one. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Well, I, I've said this to others as well. Yeah. It's not the first time I'm sharing this, but I think <laughs> maybe just the email I got today made me think that maybe I should start mm-hmm. going public with it. Yeah. And start in demanding it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would take a similar title, I think, because, <laughs> because it's accurate. Because it's actually... Yeah, it actually like resembles what I believe this work is about. And what you're it's looking to do. Yeah. 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 It's representing the essence of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, the essence of the divine, and trying to allow more people to engage with that. Great. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of this uh, and contributing your thoughts, your voice, your perspectives. And I know many people will benefit from it. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I hope that anything I had to say was useful to you or others. <laughs> it certainly was. Okay, good. Thank you for listening. The conversation continues on our website, anewconvo.com. Thank you for being a part of our new conversation.